0: Today, back here in St. Louis, we're uh, continuing our message series, a series I was in before we left for vacation called Experience God's Power. And in this series, we're studying biblical miracles. There's hundreds of miracles in the Bible, but we've just selected some. I've selected some for us to study in this series. And our purpose is to, uh, to understand what God's Word says about how He's worked in a miraculous way in the past so that we can see God work miracles in and through our lives today. We believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, this morning, my message is entitled, Power Over Death. You know, if you think about miracles of healing, what is the greatest healing that God could do? It's to bring somebody back from the dead. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big healing. And so in the entire Bible, there are only nine recorded resurrections from the dead, Uh, And so even in the Bible, the miracle of resurrection is relatively rare. In the Old Testament, the prophet Elijah raised a child from the dead. Elisha, the prophet that came after him, also raised a child from the dead. And in one of the stranger stories in the Bible, when a uh, dead man was thrown onto Elisha's bones in his grave, the dead man came back to life. That's the third example. In the New Testament, Jesus raised three people from the dead. And we're going to talk about one of those today. Peter and Paul, in the book of Acts, each raised someone from the dead. And in all eight of these instances, I've talked about eight of the nine, the person who was raised from the dead, they eventually died again. It wasn't raised forever. They were raised back to life. They grew to old age and they eventually died once again. The ninth instance of resurrection was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that resurrection was different than the other, right? In that Jesus was raised from the dead never to die again. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he received a glorified body uh, that's eternal, a glorified body that's going to live forever. And of course, that's the type of body we will receive one day when God raises us from the dead or when we meet the Lord when he returns in the air, one or the other. In Matthew 10, verse 9, and I'd encourage you to pull out a white page in the middle of your bulletin. Uh, It has the outline there with the verses written out. On the back is a study guide with questions that I've written to confound and to confuse you. So uh, look at the questions and see if you can In your own study of the Word during the week, I'd encourage you to see if you can answer the questions. Uh, If you're just stumped by a question, you can send me an email, and uh, I'll see if I can give you the answer that I think is there in the Scripture. But we encourage you to not just listen on Sunday mornings, but to take the Word and read it, meditate on it during the week as well, so that you can apply it to your life, so that it can make a difference in your life, Jesus gave instructions to his disciples in Matthew 10:80. He told them to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And so we see not only Jesus doing these things, we see His disciples doing these things uh, in obedience to His command. And so today we're going to look at the connection between healing and resurrection from the dead. We're going to look at two miracles of Jesus that are recorded in Luke chapter 8. And uh, these two accounts of miracles are interwoven together. We're going to kind of pull them apart to look at them in more detail, but they're interwoven together in the chapter. And we want to learn more about working miracles. Uh, That's what this whole series is all about, uh, because... God wants to work with miraculous power in our lives, in our church, and through our lives as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 lists various spiritual gifts, and it in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, God's word tells us to desire earnestly spiritual gifts. In a partial list here is in verses 9 through 10. Uh, the whole context, God is saying the Spirit gives gifts to. People in the body of Christ. It says to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. And so the two gifts in this list that are pertinent to our study today are the gift of healing or gifts of healing and the gifts of miraculous powers. And so the Holy Spirit wants to use believers, if you're a believer today, wants to use you and me as channels for his power to meet needs in other people's lives and to eventually bring glory to God. And so God wants to grow our faith today. He wants to stretch our faith so that he can use us for his purposes as we study his word together sometimes people will think you know i just can't have faith for that kind of thing you know my faith is like i'll pray for a cold and you know maybe it'll get better maybe it won't but god wants to grow our faith so we can believe him for greater things now how can our faith grow well romans 10 17 says faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of christ in other words Faith comes as we hear God's word, as we read God's word, as we take it into our hearts and we believe what it says and we make a decision to act upon it. And so that's my prayer for each and every one of us today, that as we look at God's word, as we study God's word in Luke chapter 8, he will help our faith to grow, to believe him for bigger things. So we're going to begin in this passage by studying healing. Healing comes uh, through the spirit. Our story begins in Luke 8, verse 43. It says, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. And so this woman had this serious illness for 12 years. That's a long time. And it was a bleeding illness. And this type of illness Had made her religiously unclean by the Old Testament law. That means that she was a social outcast. She was unclean, just like the lepers were. And nobody could touch them because if somebody touched an unclean person, they would become unclean and have to go through some purification ritual. She was not able to attend the temple worship because she was unclean. No doctors at the time were able to heal her illness. Says no one could heal her. She'd obviously tried. She'd been to the doctors and they they didn't know what to do. And yet somehow she'd heard of Jesus' ministry. She heard that Jesus had been healing people and so she came to see him. And we're going to see that touch is often involved in healing. Our story continues in verse 44. This woman, she says, she came up behind him, behind Jesus, and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. And so normally, according to Old Testament law, when an unclean person touched another person, they become, became unclean. And so if the woman had approached Jesus from the front, probably people would have said, go away, don't touch him. You're unclean. This is not for you. And so she kind of crept up behind, pressed through the crowd that was crushing around Jesus, this large crowd, and reached out and touched the hem of his garment. And as she did, she felt in her body she was immediately healed. The bleeding had stopped instantly. Now, even though... The crowd was pressing against Jesus in the front, the sides, and the back. People were touching him physically all around. He noticed the touch of this woman. And the reason that he noticed was because he felt that the power of God, the power of the Spirit had gone out from him to affect that healing. And so the touch of this woman was not just a physical touch. All kinds of people were touching Jesus. The touch of this woman was a touch of faith. She believed that when she touched Jesus, that Jesus could heal her. And as she reached out in faith and touched the edge of his garment, the power of God flowed into her body and brought about an instant healing. And Jesus sensed that that touch was different. And he wanted to speak to this woman. He inquired about her Now, the power from Jesus that had healed this woman was the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through him. And we're going to talk about it more in a few minutes. But we see that physical touch is is often involved in healing. Next, faith is required for healing. Continuing the story in verse 47. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet, at Jesus' feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And so as Jesus was asking who touched me, eventually the woman came forward, came in front of Jesus and fell at his feet in worship. And Jesus responded by telling her that, Daughter, your faith has healed you. It was not the touch. It was the touch coupled with faith that brought about the healing. Now, in the original Greek where it says, Daughter, your faith has healed you, it actually says, Daughter, your faith has saved you. Now, since it's the context of healing, she obviously was healed. The translators translated healed. But Jesus said, Your faith has saved you. Not only, I believe, was the woman saved from her illness, she was also saved spiritually. Jesus called her daughter, a a daughter of God. You are healed. Go in peace. So let's talk a little more about healing this morning. Jesus healed through the power of the Holy Spirit. He instructed his disciples to carry on his ministry. We already read in Matthew 10, Jesus' instruction to his disciples to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to preach the gospel. The things that Jesus did, his disciples were to carry on as well. They did it during his ministry, and they continued on in the book of Acts. And so Jesus' followers, if you're a follower of Jesus today, Jesus' command is the same to us, to carry on the ministry of Jesus, not only teaching the truth of the gospel, but Showing the power of the gospel through this Holy Spirit. Now, quite commonly in healing, the person who is being used by the Spirit of God to bring about the healing will lay hands on the ill person. Now, why do we do this? Well, first of all, as we read through all the examples of Jesus healing people in the gospels, Jesus often laid his hands on people. Now, in the case of the story today, Jesus didn't lay his hand on the woman. The woman laid her hand on Jesus. Uh, But the net result was the same. There was a physical contact between the two. Secondly, there are numerous examples of Jesus' disciples doing the same thing that Jesus did. They laid their hands on the sick as they prayed for them to bring about the healing. And finally, there are clear instructions in James chapter 5. We don't have time to look at it, but it says that those who are sick In the church, should call the elders, the leaders in the church, to pray for them and anoint them with oil. Now, obviously, when you anoint somebody with oil, you touch them. You put your hands upon them. Anointing with oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, but it's also involving the touch of faith. Now, can God heal somebody from a distance without a physical touch? Yes, obviously he can. I mean, God can do anything. And we have some examples of people being healed by Jesus that did not involve his physical touch. But in the majority of cases of healing, there is a touch of the healer with the sick person. It has something to do, I don't pretend to understand it fully, it has something to do with the transmittal of spiritual power from one, through one person as a channel to the other person. And that's why we encourage you to Come forward for prayer at the end of the service. A lot of people say, Well, I put my prayer request on the city, I recorded it uh, on a connect card, and people are praying, What more do I need? Well, that's true. We are praying for you if you're sick, if you have an illness. But if you do it that way, nobody is laying hands upon you, nobody is touching you, you're not following the scriptural pattern. And so, we encourage you to, if you're sick, to come forward for prayer at the end of the service, and those that are praying will lay their hands upon you and pray for you in that way. The Holy Spirit gives the gift of healing through a person with faith. person being prayed for has faith. That person acts as a channel of the power of God to you through prayer. So not only does healing come through the Spirit, but resurrection comes through the Spirit. Now we're going to look. We've looked at the account of healing in Luke chapter eight. Now we're going to look at Jesus raising somebody from the dead, and we're beginning at the a little earlier in verse forty, and then we're going to skip the healing part that we've already talked about. Verse forty. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter. A girl of about 12 was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And then the next verses are the story of the healing of the woman with the bleeding issue that we've already talked about. And so Jesus here is met by a distraught father. He has a daughter. She's only 12 years old. She's seriously ill. Her father knows that she's dying. Great crowds are surrounding Jesus, but this man comes through and makes his way to Jesus and asks him to come. This is an urgent request. I mean, if she's dying, if Jesus doesn't come quickly, she's going to be dead. And yet, Jesus takes the time to minister to this woman, talk to this woman with this bleeding issue, and doesn't immediately respond to the father's request and so jesus is going to teach the father that faith overcomes fear verse 49 while jesus was still speaking speaking to this woman someone away from the house uh, someone came from the house of jairus the synagogue leader your daughter is dead he said don't bother the teacher anymore Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. And so Jairus had come to Jesus. He believed that Jesus could heal. That's why he came. His daughter was dying. And so he came in faith that Jesus would do something about it, that he'd come to his house. But now Jairus' hopes were crushed. Jesus had delayed coming and his daughter was now dead. The messenger had come and said she's already dead, he says, don't bother to teach her anymore. Obviously, the messenger's not this hopeless now. Of course, you know, if she was just sick, Jesus could heal her, she's dead. Nobody can do anything when somebody's dead. I mean, that was the messenger's opinion. And yet, Jesus said to the father, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. You see, fear and faith are polar opposites. You, You can't be afraid and have faith. And you can't have faith and be afraid. Jairus was tempted to be afraid, what was he afraid of? I'm never gonna see my daughter again, this is it. She's dead, 12 years and now gone, her life cut short. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Believe and she will be healed. You see, being raised from the dead is the ultimate healing and again in the Greek here, the word for healed is actually saved. Believe, and she will be saved. She'll be saved from death. She'll be saved spiritually. Now, to see God work miracles, another principle is to surround yourself with people of faith. Surround yourself with people of faith. story continues in verse 51. <clears throat> when he, that's Jesus, arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. And so when Jesus arrived at Jairus' house, his disciples came along with him. He went into a room, but he only took his closest disciples, which were Peter, John, and James, and the girl's parents. The people outside, wailing over her death, when Jesus said she's still asleep, they laughed at him. They, you know, they were in agreement with the messenger. There's no hope. She's dead. There's absolutely nothing anybody can do. This is, you know, you're not making any sense at all. They had absolutely no faith that Jesus could bring her back. But Jesus went into that room, and we see this repeatedly in different accounts in the Bible, surrounded only by people of faith, the people he knew had no faith, he kept outside. We're going to talk a little more about that uh, in a minute. It's an important principle. Now, when Jesus said she was asleep, he did not mean she was not dead. He meant that, that when she came back to life, she would appear to awaken as if she had been in a sleep. And oftentimes in the Bible, uh, when a, a person dies, especially a believer, they say they're asleep asleep. Uh, It doesn't mean they're not dead. It just means they're, for a believer, when you die, it's not the end. You're going to awake in heaven. And so we're going to see another place in here. The people knew she was dead in another place. This girl was definitely dead. Uh, And So, alone with people of faith, now Jesus prepared to speak a command of faith. It says, he took her by the hand, the girl, and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. And notice here that Jesus touched the dead girl's hand. There was touch involved. It's involved in the majority of resurrections in the Bible. Not all, but the majority, again, touches involved. Then he gave her the command to get up. And upon that command, the scripture says, her spirit returned and she stood up. A person dies when their spirit leaves their body. Okay, And so in order for a person to be resurrected from the dead, their spirit must return to their body. And here the spirit returned, Uh, she rose from the dead and stood up. The parents saw the miracle with their own eyes. They were amazed. She was dead. They knew she was dead. She stopped breathing. Her heart stopped beating. And here she was alive again. And Jesus told them not to tell others. Uh, This is uh, the silence motif in the Gospels. Theologians argue about what this was all about. But it obviously was not in keeping with God's plan for his ministry at this point. The crowds were already huge. Uh, He didn't want more people uh, than could be handled at that time. That's probably the reason for it. And so we see here in this resurrection from the dead, the ultimate healing. We see the importance of faith in the Father. Jesus told the Father to believe. And in the element of touch again. Now, can the Holy Spirit still raise people from the dead today? Well, if you believe that God is alive, can he do anything? Yeah, the obvious answer is yes. He can still raise people from the dead today. Does he still raise people from the dead today? That's another question, is it not? But again, we must believe that he does. He gave his disciples a command to raise the dead, along with healing the sick. And so, uh, let's talk about an example. We talked about it last year on January 19th, 2015. John Smith of St. Charles, Missouri, uh, just a little ways away, fell through the ice in Lake St. Louis playing with his friends. He fell underneath the water and he drowned. The paramedics were called, and after being under the water for uh, 15 minutes, they uh, miraculously managed to find him underneath the eyes, pull him out, took him to emergency room, and the doctors began to work on his lifeless body. So let's uh, watch a news report of what happened. Um, This is on the local news, so let's watch for a few minutes of what happened with John Smith. So John and uh, his parents were members of uh, First Assembly in Saint Peter's, and they believed that God can raise the dead today. And his mother believed and prayed, and God brought him back. With no, you know, obviously he would have, should have had all kinds of brain damage, you know, being without oxygen that long. But God brought him back. And if God can raise the dead. Is there anything in your life that's too difficult for him? God can do absolutely anything. You may have circumstances or situations in your life where it feels like all hope is gone, as if there is nothing that can be done. It might be a dream you've had for your life. It might be a relationship. It might be a health issue. It might be a financial problem, but God wants you today to, to have new hope. He wants to build your faith so that you truly believe in the depths of your heart that nothing is impossible for God and for the believer who has faith. Surround yourself with people of faith. It's very important for your faith to grow. If you surround yourself with people who don't believe, your faith isn't going to grow. Surround yourself with people of faith. Get involved in a life group. Come forward For prayer at the end of services if you have a need, especially for healing, so that we can lay hands upon you, anoint you with oil. Seek to get close to Jesus. Seek in your own life to reach out and touch the hem of his garment so that he can bring back to life whatever in your life may seem to be dying, whatever you may be struggling with. And when you do that, you'll see God begin to work miracles in your life. You'll see God begin to do the impossible. And this morning, if you don't feel like you have a need in your own life for a miracle, what about the people you know? Is there somebody you know that needs a miracle? Somebody you know that needs a touch from God? Be a person of faith who begins to pray for them. Be a person of faith who begins to believe for them. For a miracle to meet their need and to bring glory to God. Remember the words that Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. Overcome your fear with faith in order to see God do great things. Now this morning, if you do not have Jesus Christ in your life, the Bible says that you are spiritually dead. That means that not only will you do you not have a relationship with Jesus in this life? But you're doomed to spend eternity in hell apart for him, apart from him forever and ever. To be spiritually resurrected from the dead to receive new life in Jesus Christ, you must admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things. You must believe that Jesus died on the cross that your sins might be forgiven and commit your life to following him as your Lord and Savior. And when you do those things, the Bible says that you are spiritually resurrected. You are given new life. You become a new creation in Jesus Christ. So I'd like to ask all of us to bow our heads right now, and I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you're not sure you have a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning, I'd encourage you to pray with me. If you don't hear Jesus giving you instructions, if you don't hear the voice of his spirit on a daily basis, I'd encourage you to pray too, because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Those who have a relationship with Jesus hear him speaking, oh, not with an audible voice, but they hear him speaking to their hearts and they follow what he tells them to do. And so if you don't have that type of relationship, then you need to pray this prayer along with me. Just pray in your heart. God knows your thoughts. Say something like this. Father, today I admit that I've I've done wrong things. I've sinned. Please forgive me. I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, took my sins upon himself and paid the price that I might be forgiven. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior all the days of my life.